What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Average Money Podcast. We're just going to sit down. It's been two weeks since JJ and I have recorded because we took off last week for Thanksgiving. We got to catch up a little bit. We're going to talk options a little bit, talk about some strategies, some things we're doing, nothing crazy. Tell some stories, drink some beers, a little bit of the usual. If this is your first time joining the Average Money Podcast, welcome. We are glad to have you. My name is Brad Finn. I'm joined every single week with the one, the only, JJ Buckner. JJ, how was it tonight, bud? Well, I drank some beers, talked about Christmas, so I'm in a happy mood, man. <laughs> We're having a Christmas party. <laughs> <laughs> you'll have to wait till the end of the episode to find yep. out. To, Listen to the end the of the episode, <laughs> you'll hear what I'm talking about. <laughs> the, de- the details of that, so as we laugh and joke, as we make this intro after the episode, let's dive right into it. Lots to talk about, Jay. It's been uh, two weeks. Ooh, we did take off because of Thanksgiving. We did take off, and last week's episode was kind of cool in a sense that it was from October 6th, so it was a long time ago, and it was kind of nice. I think we were talking. I was like venting about, like, I can't wait till it's Thanksgiving, and we can put some real clothes. I can put some flannels on. It's getting cool again, and then it like lined up perfect. Yeah, it was it was nice. I'll be honest with you, I didn't hear a word you just said. <laughs> Why not? You can't hear me. I was trying to mess with this, and I couldn't. Oh, I can't. I cannot focus on trying to get the stuff set up and listen to you at the same time. There's no way. No, I was just saying how cool it was that that episode. I kind of I like when we when we blast episodes out, but it's also nice to have these ones in in the queue. Like oh, yeah. that past episode was from the sixth of October. And we were talking about like the future, like Thanksgiving and a month away. And when we record these, yeah, a month sounds so far away. That wasn't a month, was it? October 6th, that was from. That was the week we got back from FinCon, which is why I go to edit this thing. And uh, with Thanksgiving, it got pushed and I, I, I was lazy. So I didn't start editing this thing until Saturday. And I open it up and it's an hour and 44 minutes. Now, for, for everyone at home, when I don't edit, which was like the, maybe the last two episodes before that, I really didn't edit. And you can give us some feedback if you could tell, but it usually takes me like two minutes per finished product at least. So like a one hour episode takes me almost three hours to edit. And uh, I saw one hour and 44 minutes and I had to edit it because it's been so long. I'm like, I don't know what we talked about. I knew that we talked about our experiences out on the bar and stuff. So I was like, yikes, I have to make sure that I edit this thing. And it took a long time. It took a long time. I'm just, I guess I must be so messed up on my dates. I thought that was when we recorded like two weeks ago. I don't know where he went. Had an emergency. I I could have, I could have swore it was, um... Yeah, that was the wi- that was the week we got back. Oh, dude, I was listening to it though, and I could have swore it was October sixth. Okay, huh? Interesting. Well, yeah. Well, now now we're here. How was your Thanksgiving, man? How was it? It was good. Um, went down to my mom and dad's, had a nice visit, got some craft beer uh, from my brother's favorite joint down in Springfield, Missouri. Uh, we're, we're talking about you have beer you have like one of your favorite breweries down there yeah down in spring it's called four by four if anybody's ever in springfield missouri it's a good spot 
I got Sam Adams Boston Lager, and I haven't had a I haven't had one of these in so long. It's not exactly like the greatest, but my uncle brought a case over on Thanksgiving, and nobody drank it. Everyone drank Dubco because beer's dope. So I'm like, I'm sitting staring at this case of Boston Lager. So I'm like, I'll crack one of these. I gotta say, pleasantly surprised. Hmm. I probably haven't had one since my teenage years, and it was probably like warm in the woods, like when oh, I yeah. stashed it, you know. Been sitting in a cooler with no ice in it for like two hours, but yeah, like, we gotta yeah. drink it. This came right out of the beer fridge though, and it's cold, and I got a couple of them, and I got a whole full case upstairs. So let's get weird because. I think I'm, it hasn't been confirmed, but I think uh, today was the day I got my taste back. Ooh, from oh, such a good feeling. Thanksgiving, no taste, a little bit weird. God, dude, didn't you miss it? Uh, yeah, but it has its pros and its cons. It definitely does. Like changing poopy diapers, dope. Not being able to smell. Eating broccoli and like spinach all day just because you don't want to be healthy and not tasting it. Not bad. <laughs> Or like, um, well, for me, it's weird alcohols. Like when the family gets together and they want to take weird shots or they whip out like all these weird things I would never drink. And I'm like, I'll bang shots of vodka all night tonight. No, I don't care. Speaking of alcohol, I've never, I'm not going to say I never, I don't, okay, how do I say this? I've never been like a big like club goer every weekend. Like I went to clubs and stuff when I was younger and go to bars and with like, djs and everything and we love edm but yeah well yeah but i've never been like the the uh the bottle guy like i'm going to buy bottles tonight you know you've never been to a vegas club right i think we've talked about this correct yeah okay never never been to anything like that but i've been to bars like that in st louis where like i've seen the vegas clubs and like it's pretty similar to a couple of them i've gone into st louis maybe not as big but definitely the the, that, that atmosphere but anyways it's been a long time since I've done that, and I didn't even go to a club. I was at Ballpark Village in St. Louis. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't look that fancy. No, it's I was not. like, I think I busted your balls. I was like, was that a Chili's? Like it was tap beers and stuff, like in front of like a DJ. Well, it was right above the main like portion of Ballpark Village. If okay. you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. But haven't. Um, no, man, DJ Nitty Gritty. Uh, he messaged me on Instagram, and he's him and I both follow each other. Been around for a while. And uh, he's like, hey, dude, I'm going to be in St. Louis. I was like, okay, I got to go. Because I like his music. His stuff's good. He's a good EDM DJ. So we get up there and uh, start going to the ballpark village. And when we get there, we're supposed to be on some list. Because he says, oh, I'll get you on the list, whatever. Well, we get there. And I'm like, I, I'm that guy. You know, I'm like, hey, I'm on the list. And the chick's is like. There, is there a list? Yeah, the I'm chick's like, uh, what list? You know, like, I don't have a list. And she, lo- she did bring out this piece of paper. And she's like, no, I don't see you. Right there, JJ, for those of you that don't know me at home, sorry to cut you off. You know how bad I suffer from social anxiety. If <laughs> I never would have been able to do that. Oh, man. And, if, and that right there is why I have so, extreme social anxiety, why I can't call and order a pizza, why I can't call and make my own doctor's appointments. I'm so afraid of making an idiot out of myself just like that. <laughs> that would happen to you is my biggest fear. Like, hey, I'm Brad. I'm on the list. And she's like, list? And Donkey, I'm like, there's no list. I gotta, I gotta poop my pants. Like, <laughs> I gotta go like, poop. <laughs> like, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean it. Uh, oh, there's no list. I'm not Brad. I'm out of here. Bye. 
<laughs> oh man see like uh, yeah that's, that's, that's a day in the life me, of me guys i'm sorry jj got to live it but that this is things that people don't know about me until you spend a couple of days with me and you're like what are you worried about now what, what's the big deal now and i'm like it's, it's anxiety you don't know unless you know <laughs> oh my god that is so true coming from a guy who's hung out with brad a couple weekends it's definitely true but no dude like we get up there and she's like i go i'm on i'm with DJ Nitty Gritty, he told me to come up here. You know, he said he has some list or whatever. She's like, oh, I don't have no list for him or whatever, but here you go. And she gave us these all-you-can-drink uh, wristbands. Because there was something, something going on up there that night. And I looked at her, I was like, uh, I wasn't even expecting that. Because you had to, like, pay to get in. Like, you had to buy tickets up front or whatever, and I didn't have anything. And so I'm like, okay, cool. I just grabbed them and left. And we had Lindsay's sister-in-law and her boyfriend with us. So we all grab these tickets or these little wristbands, put them on. We're like, did that really just happen? So then we walk up to the bar, start ordering drinks, and then meet up with Ricky, who's DJ Nitty Gritty, and go talk to him in his green room, hang out with him for a little bit. And he's like, hey, he had a bunch of alcohol. They left, they you know, had the whole smorgasbord set up for him back there. He's like, hey, man, you want this? Are you want any of this stuff? And I was like, oh, are you not going to drink it? Or <laughs> He's like, no, nah, dude, I'm leaving after this. I was like, shit, yeah. So it was like, manager... <laughs> Big black dude came out, brought us this big old case of uh, one of those big bottles of Grey Goose. Probably cost $500 if I would have ordered it from the bar. And like a big old thing of iced things of Trulies and different mixers and everything and handed it to us. I was like, oh, never had something like that happen to me before. I've had like the free jinx, but. Can I mention why this is even more magical for everybody that doesn't know the full scope of this? Your wife doesn't drink. Most of us, yeah, I would see that, and I would think to myself, I'd look to Tara, and we'd have to play rock, paper, scissors, see who was driving, and if I lost, <laughs> I'd be like, damn it. That's like, I got this moment of glory. Like, for those of you that are dating, and I'm sure Dade, he's, he's full in this right now. When you got a nine-month designated driver oh, yeah. because your wife is pregnant, it is life. It is, if you were a drinker, it is amazing. You, not to say your wife is not sober, but like it's not her thing. No, it's like not when she was here, she had like three glasses of wine, and we think she got buzzed. You know, <laughs> so like that spread did probably nothing for her, right? No, no. I mean, she had a couple drinks before. She does like. Have you ever had a hurricane? Yeah, she has. A, she had a hurricane at dinner before we went up okay. there. So she had like one of those, and I think maybe she had two of them. I don't know, but no, she's not a big drinker. So yeah, right. I was like. It's party time, baby. <laughs> Fist bumping, old Jersey Shore, JJ. Let's go. <laughs> and I and I for, I totally forget. Like I forget that sometimes like we actually like do things. So here I am, just like texting you all night while I'm drinking. Usually we're going back and forth, and I'm like, why isn't JJ answering me? That was the funniest meme I've ever sent. And I'm just getting crickets. And then like I got that. Just got home, Brad. I was out all night. I was like, ah, oh, I totally forgot about it. <laughs> Yeah, I will say if I'm out doing something, I well, not even out doing something, you can probably speak for me on this. I am a shitty texter. Pretty shitty texter. I'll be the guy where like I read it and then something happens and I close my phone, completely forget about the text. It's horrible. When you're I do out. it all the time. Gen- generally, you're good. Well, you're not good. dead. That's good. Generally. But when you're out. But when you're out, you should be. Yeah, yeah. I, I will say this. I have a goal... And then we can kind of like dive into the, like the actual podcast and making our lives better portion, <laughs> and not just us <laughs> shit. But uh, 
I have a really like strong goal of like diminishing social media over time. And in 2022, that's where we're going into, right? I want to like, I kind of want to be off everything with maybe the exception of Instagram. Cause I find that most of the reason I'm on these things is because I have relationships with people. You mean YouTube too, or no, 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 dude. I don't consider that social media. Okay. But like I have like Twitter friends and like I have like people on Instagram that I communicate with every day, but via DM. And I know it's just easy. Like, like take Marco, for example, like I DM with him like all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it'd be easy now. A couple years in, if I was like, Marco, I'm going to hop off social media. Like, can I get your numbers? I'm not going to like blow you up and sound weird like that anymore. And I'm sure I could do that with everybody, but that's really the only reason I'm on any of those. But I tell you that to tell you this, I, I tend to be the guy that's on my phone at family parties and stuff. My wife very politely says, Hey Brad, like, can you, can you be, can you be a little more present? Yeah. So I said to myself, you know, F it. When we went out to Thanksgiving, I left my phone at home and there was definitely some times where I was like, oh man, oh, I don't have my phone on me. Mm-hmm. I can't show you, but nothing life or death. It was more like, oh, I got this, this funny thing. I'll send it to you later. And I did. Yeah. And I had, I enjoyed it so much on Thanksgiving that I pretty, I had something to do every week, every day for Thanksgiving. It's Tara's birthday, uh, Tara's mom's birthday, things like that. So I was busy the whole weekend and I just left my phone home for the entire day. Yeah. And then when I got home, I caught up on my texts and things like that and got back to people. But it was like reinforcing to myself that we, I think some cot, I mean, we know that we have social media issues, but it, it was, it was, that was like, I think my biggest takeaway from the whole Thanksgiving weekend was leaving my phone at home every single time I went out over the weekend. Yeah. I definitely always think about that too, though, man. Like when I say, <sighs> Like when I have conversations with Lindsay, I, I think about what would I do whenever, you know, YouTube's done for JJ. And and when when is that gonna happen? I have no idea. You know, I may You won't YouTube. be on social media. No, nah, I probably won't. You know, and yeah. I'm hoping by then I have something bigger and better created, you know, right. uh, whatever it may be, real estate, software or something. I don't know. Yeah. But by then I'll probably I will say, I'll probably still be on social media, but it'll just be like to just do whatever I want to do. If I want to make a, you know, I don't know. But like I was booking flights. Like I, I told, I was, I'm coming to, I'm coming to Nashville. If anybody wants to join me, I'll be in Nashville on April 18th, 19th, 20th, and 21st. Lindsay and I may be able to make it down for that, by the way. And I was like, we're ordering flights and stuff. And I, all I want to do is text JJ. I'm like, where's my phone? I almost mm-hmm. like got to the point where I was like, Tara, all right, can I use your phone? I'll text Lindsay. I'll tell Lindsay it's me. I'll get her to give her phone to JJ and I could talk to JJ. And Tara's <laughs> like, or you could just wait an hour and a half until we get home and like, let them know. And I'm like, no, super excited. We've talked about Nashville so much. Yeah. I have to tell him right now. <laughs> Yeah, dude, I don't think that'd be fun. What are you guys going down there for again? Just to go? We were, so we were, um, on Friday, we got together with all of, like the cousins that flew in and, um, we were like, oh man, we were just talking like how great it was and how with COVID, like we didn't see each other that much. Cause I have a ton of cousins. My dad mm-hmm. comes from a family of 13. So within plus or minus three years of me, I probably have like 12 to 15 cousins and 
they're all married. So like now it's a group of 30. So we're all hanging out. We all have little kids now. So it's kind of cool, like seeing them run around. And like, that wasn't something that like I was ever into, but like I'm seeing it and we were like, Oh man, we should, we should get together more. We should just do this more. And like one of my cousins was like, well, we're all teachers too, which is weird. But my one of my cousins was like, well, spring break, I'm going to, Na- I'm going to Nashville. And then everyone was like, ah, oh, I want to go there. Or, ah, oh, I've been there. It's so awesome. And she was just like, so come like you won't. And then, then a couple booked a flight and we're like, by the time it was all said and done, there was like 10 couples that booked flights. And my aunt and uncle were like, fuck it. Can I come? We're old. I'm like, yeah, you get, everybody's coming. And then that's Pick them up. Uh, yeah. That's <laughs> mock saying. Yeah. Bird <laughs> sing. Sing. yeah. That's exact. <laughs> dude. That, that's exactly how it happened. It was one of my, one of my cousins saying that we should get together more. Another one of my cousins being like, well, Here's where I'll be over the next couple months. And then it just, it happened. And sometimes we'll spur of the moment things are the best thing to do though, bud. And we, <laughs> it was funny. We joked. We're like, we should just call the hotel and tell them we're having a wedding and try and get a wedding block discount. Boom. And then we all had like different, uh, like we, cause we all credit card hack. So I'm staying in like a Hyatt right there where I'm getting a pretty good deal. And at, literally every single day we started like a group chat about it. Every single day I get a new text like, uh, I think my friend's going to come. Uh, I think my, I think I talked to this sibling and the trip's just growing and it's going it, to, you'd think it would suck because you're like, oh man, how are we going to get a reservation for 20? But we're all like kind of like friends and family. So I think it's going to come in waves where like, pe- like four or five people be like, I really want to hit this place and I really want to hit this place. I want to do this hike. I want to do this, that and the other thing. And it's not going to be an issue because everyone, my family's so like, chill and fly by see their pants especially when friends get involved and things like that so no it's always fun i mean we're four hours away so we'll, we can drive down there we don't have to worry about flights i did get two queens in case you wanted to share i did i'm fine so with you gotta, that you got a free place to stay yeah i'm always down with that were you pissed the markets are closed half day on friday like should they be really didn't understand that at all if if I'm if I'm like if I work at the New York Stock Exchange, like how how stupid is it that you still have to get up and get your ass to work, but you yeah. get to go home early, like after the hangover? Doesn't make like any if you're sense. gonna do a if you're gonna do a half trading day, why not do it in the afternoon? Start the start the market at like twelve thirty, yeah, Central Time. I feel like you either had to do afternoon in that case or not at all. Yeah, I agree. Oh wow! Excuse me, um, dude. This I want to get really- to a question before we dive into more. Yeah, um, no, that's fine. But this is really good, by the way. This is a <laughs> cotton candy blonde ale. Oh my god! I can't even know you. You don't even. That's this is part of the twelve beers. They they you don't pick the twelve beers you get. I do cotton- love cotton candy stuff though. <laughs> I will say this when I go is it gonna buy, leave like, your tongue blue? <laughs> when I go buy ice cream. And like every, all Dan, the whole ice family, cream. Lieutenant Dan, everyone gets their like ice cream bowls or whatever. You'll have like Mason, Millie's, Lindsay's, and you have mine. And out of all of them, mine looks like the most childish ice cream. I love sprinkles. I love cotton candy, bubblegum flavored. Like <laughs> when I go to ice cream, Lindsay always gets order ice cream. She always gives me shit because she's like, you are literally a child when you order your ice cream. I'm like, well, it's good. I like it. 
cotton candy beer. I like it. So Aaron Azevedo, uh, he has about 457, which is a retirement account for anybody that doesn't know. It's very similar to the 401k 43B. It happens to be my magical, magical account where it acts as a tax deferred account, like a 401k or 43B, but you do not need to be 59 and a half to withdraw the funds after you leave your job. If you happen to retire early pros and cons really quick are that, you know, there's different types. There's governmental and there's non-governmental. So in a non-governmental, like say you work in a hospital and you're a doctor and you have a 457 and that hospital goes under and it's a non-governmental 457 and somebody has to come after money from the hospital, they can tap into that. Teachers and things like that, police officers, firemen, these types of workers get access to the 457. But anyway, Yes, my work allows me to sell back uh, accumulated PTO once a year. I can sell back up to four, uh, up to two hundred hours. They either uh, they either allow us to get the payment direct as income or as a deposit into the four fifty seven. We have not been able to change our four fifty seven plan at work, and it kind of sucks. So, would you take the payment on the four fifty seven or pay the taxes now and put it into a taxable account? That is the other con of the 457. They're very limited. And a lot of them have like fees and things like that that sometimes make it not worth it. Just like the 401k or the 403b, right? That's one of the the major caveats of them. You really have to make sure. Now, a lot of 403bs and 401ks, they've done a good job of getting you access to because now as index funds become more prominent, they're definitely there. But not all 457s have, have made that happen. You're a very analytical guy, and I'm sure you've run the math. I wouldn't overthink it. I personally like tax deferred because I use that tax savings and invest it in other places that I think I'll make up for slightly bad fees. Like right, like we're not th- we're not going to go over like 0.65 expense ratios and fees and things like that. If it sucks, take it out. Take it out and put it somewhere else. I, I wouldn't force money into a 457 just because I, quote, have one and just because I I want to take advantage of that tax deferment. There's other ways to get tax deferment, other places you can do so. And at the end of the day, if it's not good, like, right, we know fees compound just as fast as investments do. I don't know. If, if you're saying it kind of sucks from, like, the relationship that I've I've grown with you through the Discord and things like that. If you're saying it sucks, I kind of believe you. And I'm not talking to you one way or the other because I'm not a financial advisor, right? But if it sucks, there's no shame in in passing on the tax deferment, you know, and putting it somewhere else, in my opinion. While I was saying that, I thought of a really good quote. I'm that I that I haven't been thinking about that I kind of want to ask you about this. And I think it might like make you go, aha, I'm reading, I'm reading the psychology of money. I, I think read that. Morgan house. I've been seeing that pop up a lot. So the reviews were like very like hit or miss on it. And I had a free audible, um, credit, uh, Morgan Housel, H O U S E L. I'll say my biggest regret is I got it on audiobook because he's had so many good one-liners or just paragraphs that like I want to mm-hmm. underline and come mm-hmm. back to. And he's also does a really, really great job of 
talking about things that are like very common. Like it's like the total money makeover. Like a lot of the things that you're going to hear in this book are things that we kind of know, but he does an incredible job of like showing perspective and examples on both sides of perspective that make me like understand things better. Like the the thing that I want to bring up now today, I'm listening. He has a chapter, the difference between being rich and being wealthy. Now I've heard, I've heard a hundred different definitions of this and I feel like I have my own definition of this and things like that. But the way he was talking about it, I never heard it kind of talked about this before. He said that like rich is what we see in people. Wealth is unseen because the things you have to do to be on, to be wealthy are not flashy right mm. they're they're all long term and then he made a really good point where he said and and the worst part about wealth being unseen is that we learn best when we see right and like for example like he he said something and I was like oh my god that's so true he goes when you see somebody driving a lambo you never say to yourself wow that person's really cool but when you see somebody driving a Lambo, you think to yourself, if somebody sees me in that Lambo, they're going to think I'm really cool, which is completely like counterintuitive to the, to how you think about the person driving that car. Yeah. And I think it was like a great perspective point for me to think that, you know, the, the unseen things that we do are really the differentiator in wealth. And they're not things that people know because it's hard to get, if you're a regular person, you're not a creator or you don't have a podcast. It's really hard to get on the internet and be like, so you want to know about my long-term investment plan? You know, know? or like, do you want to know how I'm living below my means? Right. Right. All of these things are so hard and they're also not things you ask people, right? Like I saw on Twitter today, someone's like, what, um, what stock performed best for you today? And uh, like the snooty Brad, I want to respond with like, who the fuck cares? <laughs> you know, like what does today matter? Like, what does it say? Like you have a, a 50% chance of profiting on an investment over one day. You have a 60% chance over 10 years and over 20 years, you have a 100% chance of making a return on an investment. So you can't, it, it's, it, it's very easy to go and be like, I did this today. I want, and I'm, I'm, I mean, I hop on Twitter and tell people how much money I made in options today because I can't get on Twitter and say like, Hey guys, just bought a share of ETI. I'm looking forward to seeing those returns in 35 to 40 years because nobody cares about that. And it was just like a really, I'm just, I guess I want to ask you like, how do you define the difference between rich and wealthy? Because we've heard, you know, comedians be like, uh, LeBron James is rich. The guy that writes his check is wealthy. You know, like we've heard all, and I think back in the day, even made a definition between rich and wealthy. And I've never heard of that comparison that rich is what we show people and rich is what we see, which is why we tend to emulate that and live above our means where wealth are the people that are quiet, reserved, you know, they, they keep to themselves, they have a plan, they have a niche crew, 
And they do the things like the unseen things, the behind the scene things that most of us, frankly, don't have the nerve to, to do. Like, how do you see rich versus wealthy? Man, this could go, um, as you were talking about that, I'm really trying to think about my answer here. But there's so many different things. I could say, oh, rich is materialistic, blah, 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 blah. I wrote down six words okay. to answer your question. Right. Rich is fun. Wealthy is freedom. Yes. That's kind of how... I'm telling you, I know you're not a huge reader, but like I... This is one of those books where when I'm done listening to it, I'm probably going to buy it. Yeah. I, it's, it's probably going to be there because... And then I can read it. Yeah. Well, because <laughs> I, I'll get another great book that I have back there that's like that is the financial freedom book that I have, right? By Grant Sabatier. That's one of those books, like The Simple Path to Wealth. A lot of the books back there. Like you can read a book and you're done with the book and you're never going to open that book again. But like listening to it, I, I, I've never found myself in an audiobook hitting 15 seconds back so often. Like I should have been done with this book weeks ago. Oh, okay. Yeah, and this is not a plug for the book. I don't know who this guy is. Maybe he's a dirtbag. But it was just refreshing because I like financial books and a lot of them have kind of blended together. And I spoke to somebody else in the space and I was like, I know you read. Like what have you read? And have you read anything that's, not the total money makeover again. And because I was going to read The Intelligent Investor and all these books that are a little outdated and stuff like that, I'm like, do you, have a, do you have a book in the last like two years? And he recommended this one. And um, I, I, I will say that, uh, you know, for anybody that just came in, once again, it's The Psychology of Money by, um, let me see if I can show it, Morgan Housley. Housel? Yeah, Morgan Housel. And... Um, I, I can't wait to buy it. And yes, you can read it, but it's... So what's, what's your answer? What's your answer on... Answer I feel on like rich, my rich answer wealthy. changed to that. You know, I think yeah. the difference is... And you said it best, and he has a whole chapter on, like, freedom. Mm. on, um, And he doesn't go into, like, FI number and being able to... But he talks about practical things of, like, just the, the stress relief, or he doesn't say, like, F you money, you can quit your job. But what he does say is, like, when you quit your job, you have a little bit more time to find a new one. Or when you have a proper savings and you happen to get laid off or something happens, you don't have to take the first job that comes along. The, the freedom allows you to find the second to find the thing that you really want. That's something I wish more people really knew about, man. Like I really do wish more people knew about like financial freedom. And what you what a normal average person could really do because I remember whenever I figured out about financial freedom and I still remember it to this day. I was sitting in my cubicle at Black and Veatch. A <laughs> the the company was great to me, but it was just a it was a typical corporate job, and I absolutely hated working there. I hated it. It's just not it was not set up for me. Literally one of those things where you drive in traffic every morning. You walk into the office, set your stuff down, you go grab your coffee, you bullshit with coworkers for an hour, and then you sit down for you know, seven, eight hours in the cubicle and whatever. But that's kind of what I think about, man, is whenever I whenever I whenever I thought of and what I saw and like it literally was just like a an aha moment when I read this article and I'm like, holy shit. 
And, and this it's is too- doable. This is doable. A normal person can become financially free. And there's so many people out there, dude, that like have no idea about it. They have no. Like, I didn't know about it. I didn't know that I could retire early. I just thought I had to go to work for till I was 65, and I was probably gonna work till I was 70. Because that's what yeah. my dad and you know grandpa said. They're like, yeah, you'll probably just work because you want to. And now, now I know what they mean because I probably still will work till I'm 70, just because I enjoy what I do. And that's what I love. And I'll probably always have some sort of project going on. It'll change throughout the years and as the years go on. But I had no idea. Thank God. I thank God every day that I stumbled upon this whole space. Because it literally changed my entire life. And he also talks about like the importance of like taking pay cut for freedom. You know, things like that. Like just being able to say like. Like, Yes, being able to set yourself up to do that. Yeah, because like even me quitting my teaching job, if I do that, I'm going to, I'm going to have to probably take a pay cut, right? That my teaching job is, it, it's very, very good. So if I leave, I'm definitely going to have to do that. You know, I'm definitely going to have to leave. And yeah, dude, I'm, I'm going to be quoting this book a lot because there's just so many, he talked about like risk and luck being the exact same thing but we only think about the risk side and we never acknowledge the luck side. And that if it's so easy to call somebody else risky and that could be a good or bad thing. And it's also, but when you bring luck in it, if you, if you acknowledge luck on somebody else's behalf, it makes you look like a hater. And if you acknowledge luck on yourself, you diminish the work that you put in Oh man, it, it, it just brings together all of these things and it's, and it's the long game. You know, he talks about, he talks about Warren Buffett and he's like, Warren Buffett's portfolio has had 500 investments in it in a lifetime, but it's driven by five. And he's like, if I missed one of those, or he talks about how many people are in the world and he's like, but could you imagine with all the people in the world, if we got rid of say five of them, the five most influential people, like what that would do just freaking blew me away, man. And a lot of the wealth that he talks about in the book isn't like the wealth that I once thought about as like a billionaire or even like a hundred millionaire. It was, he did a very good job of, of grounding me and letting me know that you could have a net worth of a million dollars. You can have a net worth of $250,000 and those two people can be equally wealthy absolutely well take you look at you and me for example right i mean basically just because of where we live but right i could have a lot less of net worth than you and we could still be set up about the same just because of where i live no absolutely well no don't discredit yourself i mean you worked hard to pay off your mortgage you don't have a mortgage you know like your cost of living is i mean yeah my property taxes are a little bit higher but nothing crazy it's like two sponsorship videos away you know what i'm saying well, but 25 dollars margaritas <laughs> you won't find those in missouri <laughs> but they don't taste that good either you get what you pay <laughs> yeah, that's for that's true that's true <laughs> but no and it's so true and i i guess the message like i'm not doing a book review here but the message that i got in my whole cliche like being thankful and things like that was and and putting my phone aside and things like that was just trying to change my perspective. We're getting to the end of the year where we get cheesy and cliche and we start to look back at the year and we start to look forward. Are we going to have a 2020 goals episode? Yeah, we did that last year. We'll definitely do that. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) But it's, 
I really, I'm having, um, I'm having more fun with money again. And it's not even like fun with money where I mean, like I'm like spending it or I'm doing more. And yeah, I just talked about a random trip to Austin. I'll tell you that was completely credit card hacked. I think I paid like $14 in fees to get there and back. And yeah, I'm going to drink my ass off in Nashville and taking a picture in front of Dave, Dave Ramsey studios. But I, I'm definitely having more fun with money where I'm starting to get outside the spreadsheet a little more. And I'm starting to realize that like, you don't have to be perfect. Mm-hmm. I, I hold myself as a, as a YouTube person as like, I can't make mistakes or I can't be vulnerable to these things. And that's just not realistic. Wealthy people, just like poor people make severe mistakes with money. But the well, that's how the you thing, get ahead. Well, you, I, you, you have to take, from, yeah, you learn from your mistakes and you have to take risks, Yeah, but the things, the way we hedge against risk is by doing the little things. Mm-hmm. The way I, the way we hedge against risk is by not living above our means, not paying for things with money that we don't have. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. Speaking of having fun with your money, making that 1500 and premiums pretty nice, dude. That's yeah. fun. I will say, um, I loved my time with the poor man's covered call, and I loved my time away from the wheel. But it's kind of like um, I'm a huge baseball fan. You know, I'm a season ticket holder at City Field. The, one of the best parts of like opening day is like you walk in and you just feel back. You're like I'm back home. Like this is something that brings me pure joy. Mm. Okay. Now I love my off season. I love my football. I love, I love being away from city field, especially with the Mets. Cause they kind of suck, <laughs> but it was just nice to get, I'm back in the wheel. Now I got my 11 wheel stocks and I'm just, I'm, I'm cruising and I just feel home again. Like I feel comfortable and I'm not an options trader, but it's something that I really like. It's like, it's fun for me. And it, it, I got to make that really clear because people come to me and then they're like, Hey, I'm, uh, I'm doing this or I got to get myself out of this or I'm trying to quit my job to trade options. I'm like, bro, I can't help you. I'm never trying to quit my job to trade options Yeah, ever. It's too much work and it, it is a little risky, but that risk is something that fires me up, but it's nice. The people in my discord know that I can't do something for too long. Like I'm a little bit ADHD all over the place, but also I, I need to change it every once in a while. I need to change it up just to stay active. And frankly, the poor man's covered call was just a little slow for me. It was, it's a long game, right? We, we purchased leaps options a year in advance to see what's going to happen. And then we write some calls here and there, but we can't be as risky with them because we have to protect the leaps option with the wheel, it's like, yo, it's right right at the money. <laughs> the most premium we can get. Let's even go out of the money if we need to. Let's let's get crazy. Whatever we need to do. And it's just, it's it's so much more fun. You get a little bit more dividends if you hold it. But yeah, the last, I guess like the last month, I've really been back on the wheel. And I'll just say it again. Like, I used to think, I the stigma that I used to put on quote trading options. I was so close minded. I was so dumb. It's like when I cut up my credit cards cause Dave Ramsey told me to. And then I realized that I was an idiot for mm-hmm. it. 
You know, I had very reputable, intelligent, conservative people say to me, Brad, I do it. Do you think I'm a risky YOLOer? And I'm like, no. <laughs> and now that I did, and I think we kind of had this same conversation. Well, where no, dude, like, I was literally just about to say that. I was lit before I even brought that up. I was like, thank God. After you telling me 20 times, JJ, just try it. Jay, just try it. Just make one trade. And yep. it was, you were talking about selling. I think you were telling me to do a cash crude put. I can't remember which one it was, but. Well, because I think your first option video that you ever did, which did pretty well on the algorithm, yeah. I think that was a buy option, wasn't it? It wasn't a sell option. Yeah, but this was already after you and I did the whole selling options thing. Oh, you did that video after we had yep. talked about selling options. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, it was definitely, uh, it was definitely a beginner phase of mine. Um, because I go back and watch the video, I'm just like, oh my god. Like, I luckily I I knew what I was talking about to make the video, but you can definitely tell, you know, what a few years can do. <laughs> <laughs> for your knowledge and the whole option space. But no, dude, I'm glad because like I make, you know, now I'm making an extra 500 to a thousand bucks a month because of me just selling some of my options plays that I have. Like, and I have specific stocks. I only, tr I only do for, um, you know, like writing covered calls and, and cash crude puts, but it, yeah, dude, it's, it's pretty crazy. It really is to, to be able to make that kind of money. And that's something this goes back to what I was saying though about like financial freedom and wealthy and you know all this stuff is like no one knows about this. Like like dude, no one I didn't grow up knowing about like, oh, if you buy a hundred shares of this stock and you say you're okay to sell it at this price, you're gonna make this much money every month. What? Right. Right. What? That's it? I can go pick stocks and I don't give a shit what happens to them. You know, they're not stocks I'm holding for the long term. I have my own stocks for that. These are stocks I'm specifically using to create income. It's like dividend on steroids. And let me press pause quick because that is super important to understand because we've we've done we have an options course and actually we we do we didn't re we didn't really talk we didn't do Black Friday we just do Black Friday special now what do you want to do live fifty yeah do it let's go all right we'll put it in the description live fifty I'll pin a we'll comment put, right now we'll put it in the comments and we'll even when this comes to live we'll put it in the the podcast. I don't think we did a Black Friday special. We're so like, but anyway, we we did these. Um, we did the course, and one of the things we really did talk about. One of the big pros of the wheel is if you have a ton of unrealized capital gains, this is not worth getting assigned and taking a huge tax bill because of it. Like Correct. if you have had a hundred stocks because Grandpa started buying you stocks thirty years ago, and you have Apple stock at at $5 and you have 300 shares of it right now, I would not in any way, shape or form. I would not in any way, shape or form be wheeling those stocks because you are going to get assigned when JJ and I speak. It's, it's sport. Yeah. Like I, they're all short term holds because I get assigned pretty much. If I can survive two or three weeks, that's a lot. Like my wheel happens almost weekly because I write at the money. I write is pretty much I look at the share price. If it's above my cost basis, I write right there. And yeah. I do not care if I get assigned. 
And then I got a video coming out tomorrow, which will be out before this video comes out about like buying to close and how, like, how do you manage all of these? How do you manage 20 something option calls? I use, I use limit buys and closes and things like that in case I lose it. But yeah, no, it's, it feels good to be back. What, what I'm, we, the funny thing about us trading options, we trade completely different stocks. Yeah, we do. Like, like I'm sure I see some of yours and I'm like, Oh my God, he's so 30 years old. <laughs> I'm like, but that's risk tolerance, right? Like, yeah. Like, for example, you love Palantir. Love it. I think it's severely overvalued still today. And it's been, it, I think it's red for the whole year, right? Um. Oh, probably. Yeah. So it's like, I still think it could go down more. I just don't understand Actually, why everyone's so. It's still maybe positive for the year. I don't know. I don't think it is. It's pretty close. It's maybe close, but I like that's just one of those where like or like another. Let's talk another one. Like SoFi, you mm-hmm. love SoFi. I do. I do not understand for the life of me what's so dope about SoFi. Is it the price? Because they, they, I mean. Like this is not like a Baba situation where I know Baba's down and Baba's probably entering that territory where if Baba wasn't a Chinese stock and we didn't have to worry about that whole like what might happen to a Chinese stock, I'd be all over that thing. That's the only like yeah. thing reservation I have about it. But I just don't know like what is what's what is SoFi gonna aren't they just a bank? Well, like no, I paid I mean, all my student loans with them. Like they have like a what a little investing platform. Aren't they a fancy cash app? If we're being honest, no. They they started off as a as just like a student loans. Right. Company. I use them to pay my student loans off. I I'm aware of that type of business. They moved to mortgages. They started out of Stanford. They were a group of people that wanted to raise money to give to Stanford. They only they started off only giving loads to Stanford engineering students, and then they grew. I I know their history, but like. They got lending products. Yeah, I feel like in the last um, year they've they just investment products. Who's their direct competition? Like I don't like understand like are banks their Upstart, competition? Upstart maybe. Okay. Upstart. Um I mean they they have a whole wide range of they're like a one-stop shop for your financial capabilities. Lending products, investment products. Um they have like deposit accounts like actual bank accounts. Uh, I mean, they're literally a one-stop shop for everything. And I think over time, it could be a potential catalyst to the market. I mean, to be honest, man, I feel like I feel like they may be, again, th- before I get too much into this, I want to preference and say my ownership in SoFi is so small right. compared to my overall ownership of all my other stocks and stuff that I have in the market. Same goes for Palantir. Those are my speculative plays. They're not profitable companies. They're very, very risky to invest in. But I would say Palantir and SoFi are my two like big risky plays right now. They're the yeah. ones that I'm. Uh, I'll take a hit on if I have to take a hit, and I'll buy them when they're down. And if five years from now I make no money from both of them, that sucks. But I also yeah. feel like I believe enough in the companies, what the companies offer. I feel like I'm more bullish on Palantir than I am SoFi, I think. And I'm shocked to say that because SoFi is fintech and I love fintech. Right. But with what Palantir has to offer, 
with the commercial space because like they have the governmental contracts and stuff already. Who's their founder? Their founder is one of those like fancy investors. Is he? The, he's not the guy. Is he the guy that like has six million dollars in his Roth IRA? What's that guy's name? Uh, mm, Peter no. Teeth Tithe Teeth Peter. No. Are you talking about Palantir? Palantir, founder? yeah, yeah. I don't know who you're talking about with the Roth IRA. You never heard that story. It's like, I think it's Peter. It's in the chat, they'll know. I think it's Peter Teeth. He has like, he was one of the f- oh, first people in. You guys are going to have to help me out with this. I, I want to say square or whatever, but he got in early when it was like cents on the dollar and he put $5,000 into his I Roth think, IRA. With, I don't think that's him. I mean, this. Uh, who's Alex the fa- Carp who? is Palantir's CEO. Oh, man. And Palantir's been around for like 17 years. But he's their CEO. Yeah. Who's their founder, though? Is it Peter? Who's the founder? I don't. I'm pretty sure he's a. I'm pretty sure he's a. I'm pretty sure he's a co-founder of Palantir. Maybe it's another company that I heard somebody talking about. Because wasn't Palantir out of a SPAC? Yes. That might be like the back of my mouth. Why? You know how I feel about mm-hmm. SPACs. Yeah, Peter. Yeah, Peter Thiel. Thiel. Yeah. No. I don't. I mean, no. I don't know. But he's a guy not. that has like. Like billions of dollars or millions of dollars in his Roth IRA, that's going to be tax free. That's a great story. I can't. We we should do a video on it. Hmm. Yeah. Well. Yeah, man. Those are my two big spec plays: SoFi and Palantir. Um. You know, like I said, but like you said, they're short term things. Like you can make money on short term implied volatility and things like that. No, they're not short term though, man. I mean, they're they're longer term holds for me. I'm just on some of my hundred shares. I am. I am uh, trading options with them. Like I'm trying. How like, many for, shares of pounds here do you have? Well, 100 now. 100 got assigned uh, two, three weeks ago or something like that. So I have 100 yeah. right now. I have 100 of SoFi. I'm trying to get assigned on another 100 on Palantir and SoFi. I just placed a covered call on uh, two days ago, and you know, it's probably going to be pretty solid because so far is down quite a bit so yeah i feel like pounds here or peter he did like paypal or something like that and i thought he was involved in Palantir. speaking well. of paypal man they're in the 170s now yes yes see once again this is one of those stuff and we've talked about your love for them bro paypal is not even close to being compared to palantir and sofi you can't even put them on the same. No, 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 store. not from a company standpoint, but from a valuation standpoint, I can say that they're overvalued. Mm, I mean, yeah, Pro- I mean, in the and yeah, in like today's age, or like based strictly off the fundamentals of today, yeah. But you should, like anyone, should know when you buy a growth stock, you're not basing growth, you're not basing pa- PayPal off their PE. You don't do no, that. No, 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 no. I know, but that's what I'm saying though. Like when you buy a company like that. You can't go buy it just because oh I got a PE of thirty five I can't buy that company no you'll 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 miss out on so many growth solid growth companies yes yes I'm buying PayPal for the next ten years that's why I'm paying what I'm paying for it now so you're paying so you're paying for future growth now yeah because I believe it's going to keep growing that stock price is going to keep growing with it. No, I I agree with you. Like they, I mean, look at look at Apple. Their price look is getting a, their price is getting a lot more reasonable. Look at Apple, though. People could have been saying this about Apple fifteen years ago and be like, "Oh, well, you're overpaying for Apple now." 
Well, no, Apple price just keeps going up. Look at Microsoft. Microsoft is another great example. Well, let me ask you this about PayPal. Do you think PayPal was a good value a month and a half ago and now it's a great deal? Or do you think they were slightly overvalued and they're getting to the point now where they're pretty close to their fair valuation? I would say that when they were trading in like the 230s, 250s, that, yeah, right. that was very expensive. Um, I would say right now is, yeah, definitely a pretty solid buy. I actually listened to the interview. Um, Dan, I think his name is CEO of PayPal, was interviewed by Jim Cramer on CNBC the other day. Here's a real quick little recap of some things that I put in my Discord that I thought was yeah. pretty crazy. Right. They have a goal of 750 million users by 2025. Right now, they're at 416 million, so okay. over halfway there. Uh, everyone's worried about buy now, pay late, later, taking market share from PayPal. CEO stated that they're top three. They're one of the top three buy now, pay laters in the world. Current growth rate for their buy now, pay later is over 400%. eBay is now less than 3% of their revenues. Everyone is freaking out about how they're not doing their eBay play anymore. It's less than 3% of their total revenue. Supply chain is hurting small chain and mid-sized merchants, which in return will affect PayPal in the next year's revenue. So next year, revenue may be down even more with PayPal um, just because of supply chain and you know every, not being able to get products in from what everyone's facing right now, inflation and whatnot. Uh, one in every four transactions on Shopify is powered by PayPal. That's huge. They have a great yep. partnership with Shopify. Yep. $20 billion in cash. And look at hundreds of potential acquisitions every year. They're looking at a hundreds of different, of comp different companies to acquire. That's good. Also, that tells me at any time they could purchase any $20 billion worth of their stock back, which would be effing huge. Is their free cash flow growing? Because uh, yeah, I, I, like I believe how, so, yeah. You, I like... So one of my biggest gripes is like when people try and justify evaluation by just giving what ifs and if they do this and they're projected to do this. You you did talk about revenue growth streams and things like that. Um, I, I haven't really done, maybe I, listen, I haven't done the analysis on it that you have. I'm, that's why I'm just asking. I'm not debating. Yeah. I'm just asking. I'm bullish on PayPal. Like I, I was bullish on PayPal at 230. That's why I'm loving PayPal 179. Yeah, but you can still be wrong at 230 and realize that you probably no. should have been closer to 179. No. If you're not looking at it on a short-term basis, everyone can be wrong and with a 12-month basis when they buy a stock. It's what you're buying it for the next 10 years. 10 years from now, will I be telling JJ in 2021 that he was an idiot for buying PayPal at 230? I don't think so. I think it'll right. be worth more. That's just me though. But let me let me answer that free cash flow because I am curious. I'm I'm okay. I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna guess. Let me ask you this too while you look that up. You mentioned that like you can't just say I can't buy a company because the P ratio. Jesse's talking in the chat. Just is there a there's gotta be some sort of limit where like even if they're a growth stock, you're like, whoa, 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 Miss Libby with this PE right now. Uh yeah, for sure. I mean you're talking to a is a P of, is is P of thirty five at least a red flag? Yeah, even I mean, for your yeah. for, even if you're like if you're lucid, <laughs> well, you'd have to be profitable. To, you'd have yeah, to be profitable to have a PE. Yeah, but you know what I'm exactly. saying. Like, you know what I'm saying. Like, 
there's got to be some sort of limit where you're just like, come on, man. Even that PE is ridiculous. I would say that. And, and Tesla's one of them. But look what Tesla's doing. Again, is that also, though, given the market that we're in? Don't you, you know? dare get me started with Tesla. You know better than that. <laughs> I don't own Tesla. You don't know, I thought, you dare. I know. Everyone, everyone that comes into my live streams on Sunday, I think I almost got canceled the other day going off on a tangent about them. Yeah, their free cash flow has been growing consistently, except in 2019 they had a dip, but they may have acquired Venmo in 2019, or they had maybe had a big acquisition. So I'd have to look at that and see and study that a little more. But yeah, it's been consistently growing. 2015 was uh, 1.8 billion um, free cash flow. Trailing 12 months is 5 billion. Yeah, Aaron says the average cash flow growth the last five years was 35 percent. That's I'm showing, good. I'm showing 20. All what right. Thirty five. Thirty five. Are they? Yeah. One other thing. Are you on Stock Rover? Yeah. One other thing I want to see. Are they buying back shares? I don't. I can't see that on here. I don't know where summary, to go for that. Summary. I'm in summary. I don't see Some, outstanding shares anywhere. Like. Because uh, I always like try the, to look. Not for like it. the. Not like the homepage summary. No, I know. On the statements portion. Where it shows yeah, like yeah. their revenues and everything. Um, I got to show you where that is because that's important. I got to show you where that is. Yeah. Because um, that's like really, really important. I, I never realized how important that should be to me. Oh, yeah. Uh, Isn't that crazy? It's something that I really, really look at a lot now because there's a lot of companies that are like just killing it. And then you just see that. The the because if for anybody that doesn't know if real quick I can answer this or go ahead if companies are issuing stocks issuing shares that's a kind of a way for them to say we think it's overvalued too because we're going to issue shares at this elevated price as opposed to taking on debt and borrowing the money when they issue shares out that's how they're saying okay let's raise some funds up by issuing some more shares. And doing that devalues your ownership. It's a hidden dilution to you, and that's not good. So 2016, they had around $1.2 billion in outstanding shares. 2021, they're at $1.175. So a little less, but almost the same. Yeah, so they're, yeah. You, you, so you saw where that is. That's in statements. And no, I didn't income. see it. I'm on somewhere in Google. Oh, go to PayPal. So back to Stock Rover. Across the top is summary, visuals, news, analysts, yeah. go to statements, statements, and it's going to be on the income statement right at the top, uh, average shares diluted, and they, they're down 0.06% uh, since 2015. I still don't see that. You're in income? No, I'm in statements, summary. Oh, you said income. Average shares. Oh, here they go. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Average shares right above PE ratio. Yep. Yep. And free cash flow is right cool. there on that on that screen as well. So yeah, that's it. I mean that's it because the, they're one of the companies that we've talked about on this podcast. I mean I think they were one of your like top five stocks when we did that video, however long ago. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I think we were debating Square versus PayPal, and I yeah. was more of a Square guy. And you talked about all the great things at PayPal, and. uh I mean, that might be something that I just need to like reevaluate, you know, yeah. because and back to the diluting shares part, guys, like definitely look at that as an investment. Like if you are there, there are certain financials 
that you should look at, but I think one of the ones that isn't talked about enough is shared dilution. It really is like, well, think about this for a second. If you own a company and there's a hundred shares out there, right? And you own five of them and they're still out of all the hundred shares, you own 5%. Well, then let's say that company comes out and says, I'm going to buy 50 shares of the hundred. Well, now that company, instead of there being a hundred shares out there, now there's 50 and you own five of them. Yeah. What is that? So now you go up to 10%. 10%. Yeah. Boom. Just like that with a company buying back shares, you have now increased your... Now, for a, for a measly old investor like me, like obviously we're dealing in billions of shares with real companies. Yeah. yeah. That was a very elementary right, no, example. But what but I'm but saying is like, how does that help me? Like, I, I'm not going to notice if I own 100 shares of a company and they buy back a million of 25 billion, what, on a realistic standpoint, what is a realistic investor like me? Why do we care about that? Why is that good for me? Besides the whole, like, I own a bigger percentage of the company. Well, what do you mean? That's, that's, that's my but biggest I mean, point like, is... All right, gonna, so the, the, what I'm trying to get at is that... Yeah, what are you trying to get me to answer here? No, no, what, <laughs> what I'm trying to get at is the fact that if that's going to create a supply and demand issue. So as they're oh, buying back shares, there's demand. less supply. Right. And if that demand goes up, there's less supply. So what's going to happen to the share price? So by them buying back shares, right? That's what they do. They take their free cash flow and they buy back shares off the market. So now all of those shares are internal and they're not in the open market. What that does essentially, yeah, it raises the percentage that you own in the company, but what it does is it tends to drive the share price higher because of supply and demand. But if there's a hype of a stock, companies aren't dumb. They're like, hey, we got 100 shares out here. They're probably worth 10 bucks, but people are paying 25 for them. Let's just throw out another some more out there. Let's throw out another 100 shares and make ourselves $250,000 real quick and see what happens. And not a lot a lot of retail investors I think don't understand that. And then at first the share price keeps going up with the hype, but then when that hype is over and you were part of that hype, it drops down and now you're left not only with a smaller percentage of ownership in the company, but less supply and demand, you screwed both eight ways to Wednesday. That's what happened to Intel when Intel went. And then now 10 years later, as revenue has grown and everything like that, they're at the exact same prices, their highs 12 years ago, you know, because they were issuing shares. And they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Alex, to be honest, Alex asked about uh, if I wheel with XLF or XLE. I, I got to be honest. I, I don't know either of those. Are you still are you still big on Tattoo Chef? Tattoo Chef is something we can kind of both agree on. They are they are definitely issuing shares. They yeah, should. I mean, yeah, I'm still so Tattoo Chef is a wheel stock for me. Yes. Um, you know, I'm either doing cash grid puts or covered calls on them. Right now is a good time probably to be buying some cash grid puts, I believe. Again, right. very, very risky company to own. Um, so caution with that if you do decide to do that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I like it. Good premiums. It's been pretty shitty stock to hold over the past two months or so, but yeah. it's part of it. And like I said, I think this is a great time for us. Like we've talked about options a lot tonight. Yeah. And that's only because our retirement accounts are maxed out. <laughs> yeah. JJ, JJ doesn't have a mortgage. 
We yeah. don't have any debt. <laughs> like, also putting a lot of money into our taxable brokerage accounts, you know, like. A, yes. So I mean, I think for me in the last six months, my Robinhood portfolio has gone from ten to forty thousand, and my dividend portfolio has gone from zero to forty thousand. Mm-hmm. Like so, that M one Finance portfolio has nothing to do with options. Yeah. Robinhood does, but it's still it's a percentage game for us guys, and you need to understand this. Like we dictate what percentage of our income we want in broad based index funds. We determine that. JJ's is less percentage than mine, mostly because of my age and I'm a little bit more conservative, even though he's very conservative. So what happens is when you when you take small snapshots and you jump into our lives here and there, you might say, Wow, in January he had ten grand in options. Now he has forty thousand dollars in options. Like he's all in options. You know, like look at all that. But it's more as my net worth grows and I stay at my certain percentages, that money's I can up. continue to increase all of my buckets, all of them. And options happens to be a bucket. And it's going to be really hard, Jay, to keep doing this with options and, and showing that portfolio because I don't want people to... Th- I mean, it's very safe to say that my options portfolio on Robinhood by the end of 2022 is probably going to hit $100,000. And it's going to be hard for people or it's going to be hard for me to justify with 70% of my views coming from non-subscribers to be like, hey, just want to let you guys know. Yeah. You see this $100,000 portfolio? That's like my sport portfolio. But yeah. I do like that Tattoo Chef has weeklies now. Me too. Same. I think Alex mentioned that in the chat. Bro, I'll say this because I know I said I was against it. Not really against it. I just didn't really use it. The M1 Finance, my dividend portfolio, mm-hmm. it's becoming one of my favorite portfolios. Ooh. Dude, I'll, I'll be honest with you, man. Like, Ooh. the set it and forget it is nice. I love the feature that I can just set my percentages. I don't give a shit where they're at as long as the percentages are there. Oh, you give me the chills right now. Bro, it's, it's nice, man. It's... I also don't find myself looking at it as much. Like I still check it and stuff, but like I'm like, yeah, it's fine. Whenever I put my next thousand bucks in there, it'll take care of wherever it needs to go. And if you need to borrow money, it's only two percent. Oh, oh, dude. I, well, my account's only like four grand right now, but still, it's. I'm hoping soon it, it gets up there. It's a great example of how different brokerage accounts can be used for yeah. different parts of your life. Yeah. True. I don't have six portfolios because I'm on YouTube. Right. I don't have I don't have these I don't have accounts with all of these companies just because I have a YouTube. No, they all Go they all serve. Our ve- all right, so my portfolios right now, my four hundred three B is my work portfolio, and that's I really didn't have the choice, but oh, I did have I chose a bunch of companies, so I picked Vanguard. So my four hundred three B. Maxed out, 19500 going up is all VTSAX. My 457 is with the New York State Deferred Compensation. They don't have a total stock market index fund, but they have an S&P 500 index fund. All of my money is in there. Then I had Vanguard because I opened a Roth with them, and that's kind of like where I started. 
So I started my Roth IRA with them and their interface completely sucks. And it's impossible to have a brokerage account then because they don't do stupid things that you should do like fractional shares. So that pissed me off. So that's what got me into Robinhood. But then I'm like, Robinhood is a little sus, right? They're a little sus for certain things that they do. They're not a perfect company, but their interface to trade options and do things on a daily basis is unbeatable regardless of the things you want to say and whether you want to jump on the hype trains that people want to jump on and be like, no, no Robin Hood. Like, I'm sorry, it's bullshit. Like, they are very, very good at what they do and what they are good at. And I think I really saw that when I started to look at other brokerage accounts. And just like JJ mentioned, he's coming along. I absolutely hated M1 Finance. Why? Because I went into M1 Finance like, I want to trade options. I want to buy stocks. What do you mean I can only trade once a day? What do you mean I can only trade? I can only do this, that, and the other thing. What are these stupid little pies and what are the, all these little things? And then I realized, wow, when I'm not trading options on Robinhood and I want to put money aside, I hate Vanguard's interface. I don't want a brokerage account with them and I need a set it and forget it. And that's what I kept telling people all the time, like, man, I really need to set it and forget. And this is the conversation that that's why JJ, he kind of brought that up. Cause I know he wants to say to me, like, you've been telling me for a while because this is the same conversation. I was like, I was saying to all my buddies, like, oh man, I really wish I had to set it and forget a portfolio. And they're like, you don't have M1 finance. And I'm like, no, I'm not doing the pies. I, I'm not just buying stocks at nine o'clock in the morning, blah, blah, blah. And then they were like, um, okay, bud. And then I'd be in another conversation and be like, I really just need a buy and hold, set it and forget it. I don't want to have to worry about it. And be like, you don't have an M1 finance. And I'm like, son of a bitch. Everyone keeps saying this. And then I think it was one of those where I was like, um, I was trying not to be overweighted in one of my brokerage accounts. And I was like, man, it gets really annoying how like I have to figure out like what to buy. Like Apple keeps going up and I don't want to be over leveraged in Apple, but it's like, now I got to buy these other ones. So and they're like, yo, M1 Finance doesn't allow you to become over leveraged in one particular company because you set the target percentage of the portfolio that you want them to be. And when you put money in, it goes boop, 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 boop. And they just throw your money into all these things. And I'm like, all right, all right, all right. Let me try. Let me try finally. And son of a bitch. I'm loving it, dude. It is the best. I'll say it. And they don't even know me. I got Moomoo banging down my door, but M1 Finance won't even know me yet. They are the best buy and hold brokerage right now. Yeah, I said it. And you want to know what? I also will say this. If I did not own a Roth, if I never opened a Roth IRA, you are allowed to have Roth IRAs with multiple brokerages. I just don't feel like managing that shit. Yeah, it sounds annoying. But if I did not have a broker, if I did not have a Roth IRA, my shit would be open with uh, M1 Finance. There's Because my Roth IRA is buy and hold. It's VTSAX all day, every day. Well, then it really doesn't matter then. You're 100% in one thing, so it doesn't matter. Right, but it would be very, very nice 
to now that I have a majority of like my buy and hold stocks in M1 Finance, like if I didn't have to go back and forth. But then again, I deal with my mm, Roth IRA. I got it. Yeah. One day a year, right? On January 1st, I max my Roth IRA out and I'm done with it. For somebody that might be putting money in progressively, I- I'm sorry, Vanguard, like you're just annoying to use. Oh, they suck. Like I, that's where a like, lot of if my, my money's brother at. came to me, if my brother came to me today and was like, Hey, uh, I'm going to open a Roth IRA finally. Yours with Vanguard. I'd be like, yeah, mine's with Vanguard, but. I still push people to Vanguard because it is such a trustworthy company. And like, you know, you do There's something to be some, said for that. Yeah, you give up some user interface to have that trustfulness, I guess. But yeah, man, I don't know. They're but a little safety blanket. Yeah, I mean, so I have all my retirement accounts with Vanguard, but then I have like three main brokerages. I have my Fidelity brokerage which is like my you know my, my main portfolio that's what when i'm looking at something that's usually what i'm looking at is like what mm-hmm. am i gonna do here i am trying to i have probably eight stocks in that portfolio maybe i'd have to go count maybe seven i'm trying to get it down to like maybe six core holdings core stocks and then the rest of the money. That, so I would like to sell out of like three or four positions in my Fidelity account. One of them is a penny stock. Um, and there's a few other. I'm not sure which one I'm going to sell out yet. But um, I'd like to keep the ones I have and just keep adding to them over time. And then put all that money I sell from the other stocks into VTI within Fidelity. I want I want VTI in my Fidelity account to be 50 to 75%. And that's yeah. just like my taxable brokerage account. I go in and pull money out whenever I need it, you know, blah, 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 blah. Try and build that sucker up to big six figures. Robinhood, I call it my YOLO gamble account. Every every dollar I put into Robinhood, I plan, I tell myself I'm never getting this money back ever. It's like I'm going to the boat. It's where I do all my options. I do options trading in my Fidelity account as well. But majority of my riskier, all my riskier stuff, most of it is all in Robinhood. Every single dollar that goes in that account, I plan on losing it. That's what I tell myself. I'm like, I'm never going to see this again. In five years down the road, if I have 20K in there or 50K or zero, whatever, it doesn't matter. Then I'll pull it out. And if yeah. I do, I do do this. If I get up sometimes in Robinhood to like 10, like right now it's probably like five, 6K in there. If I get to 10K, I'll sell off 3,000, pull it out, put it in the account. In my my bank account, and then I play with the seven grand I have in there, and then once mm-hmm. if I get back up to ten, I'll pull the three k out. You know, vice which right now I haven't pulled any money out in a while because I'm down quite a bit in the Robinhood portfolio. But then M one Finance, we've already talked about that. That's just my dividend portfolio, mm-hmm. and that's where I'm finding good undervalued dividend stocks. Most of them are undervalued. Some aren't. I know you want to uh, plug your plug your tracker, man. I wasn't even going to plug it. I was actually going to plug Dividend Freedom. <laughs> where plug I'm them documented. Both. Yeah. Plug them both. Yeah, I mean, no, just uh, Dividend Freedom is where I'm... Di- so the M1 Finance kind of got started with the Dividend Freedom channel to kind of show... I wanted to showcase like building a portfolio from scratch. One, for the audience, but two, because I thought it'd be really fun for me as a creator to like kind of start over and, and to showcase how I do this. And then from there it's just kind of taken off and it's been a really fun project and i'm liking where it's going it's a cool little community over there for dividend investors and then dividend tracker i mean i don't really need to talk about that it's just it's cool no dude you Software, created yeah. you created a platform like why are you downplaying that i don't know I just feel weird plugging my own stuff in the podcast it feels weird 
I don't give a shit, man. You're my friend. I clap when you win. Yeah, dude. Plug the, plug the shit out of it. <laughs> dividend, I'll, okay, dividend trackers kick ass. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> like we we worked our effing asses off for this thing, and we are getting a lot of great feedback, which is making it makes it worth it. So it's it's good um, to see that and to hear the feedback we're getting from people. And I think there's big things coming from it. I'm not Ooh. saying I'm going to post a link, but like they can go to you and find well, it. Well, you can post a link once you get your <laughs> referral. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, once, I'm getting my, once I get my cut. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. and uh, even with the M1, I, I mean, I do that. It started with that. And Josh made a good point. He said, I'm discovering that the restrictions of M1 actually result in some more freedom <laughs> yes. and make your life a little bit easier. Like the things that we hated about it were the things we really were supposed to love about it. And that's that is well said. I could not say it better myself. Well, I wanted, for example, I wanted to put money in my M1 finance account two days or a day ago or whatever, and the transfer process wouldn't let me automatically purchase the stocks when I wanted to put the money in. And I'm like, mother effer, because you know Fidelity, Robinhood, all these other brokerages. As soon as I put money in there, I can go buy stocks right away. Can't do that with M1 finance. You got to wait for a period. And for the money to transfer over from your bank to M1. Well, anyways, luckily luckily it happened because by the time they did buy the shares at 8 o'clock the next morning, the stocks were even down more <laughs> than what I was going to buy. So I was like, oh, well, cool. That worked out. So Thanks, you know M1 I mean? Finance. Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, we, we do. We use them. We have personal affiliates. We have affiliates with uh, for, through the podcast as well. But like. This is one of those like no bullshit affiliates. Like mm-hmm. if if you need a buy and hold, like I'll I'll be completely honest. Like I don't give a shit if you don't use our link. I mean, I would like you to. It's no skin off your back. But yeah. what I'm telling to you is like there's some things in this industry that when we find out about it, we need people to know about it. And M1 Finance just happens to be one of those things. Now, if you don't need a buy and hold portfolio and you don't want that, and you don't have a set it and forget a portfolio in your investment plan or portfolio, then brush this aside. Press 15 seconds ahead. (laughs) But it's like if you have a place in your life for a buy and hold, like, hey, let me just throw some let me throw 50 bucks a week in somewhere mm-hmm. and you have 10 stocks that you know that you're not going to be researching this is not like adding stocks and buying and set. like if you know you have 5 10 15 20 core stocks that you want to throw 50 bucks a month into for the rest of your life i i mean it i like i said i i am bold enough to say and i will go on the record saying that I don't think there's anything better right now for buy and hold for buy and hold. Yeah. It's really growing on me a lot. (laughs) And not to mention the other dope shit that goes on with them, like being able to borrow money at 2%, which is a variable rate and can change any day. I'm full disclosure, which is why I haven't touched it. I'm not going to touch it unless we get a huge dip. But if we put a hand up on your hip, you dip, I dip, we dip, it's going to happen. I promise. I'm going to be all over that 2%. I will say, because we've been stroking M1 Finance's ego a lot here lately. Get on I do like... Call me, call me M1. I do like... (laughs) 
I do like M1 a lot, but I think I, I like it so much because I know I have my other portfolio. I can go and buy stocks real time if I want to. Right. That's why, I, like, if I only had M1, you could, right. it'd be a little difficult for me because I'm a little more hands-on. And, I, and, dude, I just love, like, I love watching stocks. I love it. It's my, some guys like golfing. Yeah, but you don't want to, you don't want to open every portfolio every day. Like you mentioned, you yeah, barely yeah. look at it. Like, I look at M1 Finance, like, maybe, well, actually, I opened it more now because I also got their M1 finance credit card which gives me 10 percent back on a bunch of stuff so it's like now i open it more so i can pay my credit card bills weekly but like before that man like once or twice a week yep not even yeah and and once or twice a week was only because like i'd already scrolled through every other app i had on my phone and i just had to press that one and do Mm -hmm. the face recognition just to look at it yeah like I, i never ever am like actively doing something and i'm like oh let me let me log into m1 real quick and and see what's going on. Which in the long run, that's going to benefit most users out there. Because I feel like the more you look at your portfolios on a daily basis, that's the more you want to touch it. Like, if if I saw... <laughs> Hold on, Josh said, average m one M1. Ah. m one <laughs> Call me M1. <laughs> that's your Call new nickname. M1. Tell tell Mumu to stop calling me, please. <laughs> oh man, this video this now needs to come out after my Mumu sponsored video. My bad. Yeah, no shit, man. That's too funny. <laughs> what the hell was I gonna say? There's something I wanted to say, but I can't remember now. How many uh, drinks you had? Second beer. Do you max out your Roth IRA the first time? First day of the year, do you max it out? How do you max out your Roth IRA? Uh, well, I actually haven't max. I haven't put any money into it. Well, I put a thousand bucks into it so far, but I was waiting to tongue. see what. Well, hang on, I was waiting to see where I was going to come at the income range. Oh, right, right, right. Because I so think, in case you in case you at the back door. So I will have. I do have to back door this year. So Great video, do the video, do the video. So you got to get that thousand dollars out. Yeah, I got to pull up thousand bucks out, which has made money, unfortunately. I mean, you're going to pay taxes on that. Yeah, yeah. So I got to pull that out, and then I'll have to put it in my IRA, and then put it into the yep. the Roth. And yeah, it'll look at you back door, man. First time, baby. And in the state of Missouri, where incomes are not as high as New York, that's a big effing deal, man. Yeah, it feels pretty cool. I'll be honest with you, man. Like. It's like a little low key milestone. Like when you, when yeah, you hit the, yeah. when you hit the income limit on the Roth IRA, you're like, man. I know, dude. It's nuts. And man. you can't get on YouTube and be like, guess what, guys? I make all this freaking money. Door- <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing a backdoor Roth. <laughs> all of you peasants get to put oh money God, in yeah. the front door. <laughs> Jesus, that's not how we feel. But like, no, I would never do that. <laughs> <laughs> but like. But that's how people perceive us sometimes if they just catch a video once. You know, my backdoor Maroth video got that hate. <laughs> like, and I was like, yeah, um, I'm sorry that I work really hard. I happen, happen to make some money. Yeah. <laughs> if you'd like my regular Roth IRA video, here it is from two years ago when I made $80,000. Like, how, thank you for coming out. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's one thing that pisses me off is when people hate on you for being successful. I will say this I hear this quote and I love it. No one above you is going to be hating on your success. 
nobody hey, don't you. give a shit. <laughs> well, they may give a shit. They may want to see you, you know, up come up, but like there ain't nobody who's doing better than you are gonna shit on your parade. <laughs> nobody. They'll try and fix you. They'll yes. try and fix you, but they they won't criticize you. No. They'll never criticize. No. Somebody's busting your chops. They are not doing better than you. Yeah. Agreed. I agree. Jay man, this is a, this is, it's good to be back. I didn't realize like we hadn't taken a week off in a while. Bro, I want to do a Christmas episode so bad. You know I love Christmas. We got to do one. You are, (laughs) you're like one of the who's. (laughs) Yes, I am. In in Whoville. Yep. And I'm screwed. I'm I'm Grinch looking down on you. You're the Grinch. That's, yep. You're exactly right. Like you, I I can just see you like in the morning prancing around with your coffee tomorrow, stirring like with a candy cane, stirring your coffee. Santa I can just oh, see you. Oh, do we? Like, right now, like I, you go down your stairs to pee, and I know you just have like lights sparkling in your house right now. Absolutely, the wife and Mason are downstairs watching a Christmas movie, and the trees lit up, and that's the only lights on in the house. What? It's amazing, dude. We love it. Dude, I don't oh, even know Lord. where my Christmas tree is in my house. You're such a Grinch. I'm trying, man. You and Aaron said he's a Grinch too. You I'm trying, dude. I'm trying. What would you? So wait, but so what? Christmas Eve is a Wednesday or two days before? Before what? Well, you said you want to do a Christmas episode. Like you oh. want to do one like oh. at Christmas. Um, I mean, a week before is fine too. I don't, I don't care. I but don't. like, what's? Yeah, but I'm saying, what day is Christmas? Christmas is on a Saturday. Christmas Eve's on a Friday, so we could do the 22nd. On Wednesday? Mm-hmm. All right, I'll get a Santa hat. Yeah! I will do, I will do a, I will do a 22nd episode under one condition. We don't record it. We just go live, and we drink liquor, not beer. Hang on, say that again? We'll do what? For what? On the twenty second, mm-hmm. we'll we'll get on here and have a Christmas episode. Okay, but we won't record it. It'll only be live, and we'll drink liquor, not beer. Because mm. when I think Christmas, I think about inappropriately consuming alcohol. So we won't post one on the podcast, though. I want a Christmas episode on the podcast. I want to have a Christmas party. But I don't want it to ever make it to pot to like. Spotify. Well, yeah. That's, okay. Well, then we'll do a. I'll we'll even op- I'll even open up a Zoom link that night and have people just pop in and say hello and have a drink with us. Then let's do that. We'll do that. That sounds like no, Christmas to me. I want to do a. I want to do a Christmas episode. I do because I freaking love Christmas and I'm in the spirit. But you love Christmas. Oh, I love it. Uh, but I do like the idea of either like a big live stream Christmas party next yeah. Wednesday. Is it next? No, it's a couple two, weeks. A couple weeks from now, yeah. But we'll still have like... We have to do like... We have to do the cliche like spending on Christmas and things like that. Maybe we'll do that next week. <laughs> Derek says I'm requesting off the 23rd. <laughs> <laughs> 
Let's do it, man. Like, so we could have the Christmas episode come out on the podcast. Well, I guess it'd be Monday, and then Wednesday have that little Christmas party. We'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll figure it out. You gotta, you gotta subscribe to the YouTube channel to know when it's happened. Because if we're gonna do a Christmas party, it's gonna be a private link. <laughs> oh God, yes. God, yes. No judging. Well, no, we'll just have the Zoom link in, and maybe like a. Uh, we'll make like a community post. We'll post a link in there. Whoever wants to show up can show up. We can boot who if there's somebody's getting too wild. And we'll do an. We'll we'll post a. Yeah, in the community tab, we'll post a link to the live stream, and we'll post a Zoom call, and we'll limit. It. We'll have like a waiting room. We'll limit yeah. it to like two or three people in here, and people could pop in and have a drink with us. Or like ten people. Ten people. Merry oh, Christmas. That sounds fun, dude. <laughs> oh my god. I'm gonna have like Christmas music playing in the background. <laughs> well, then we're gonna get copyright strike. <laughs> it's it's just live on YouTube. Who cares? It's not like it's a huge video. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for joining us and uh, <laughs> listening to our disasters of a podcast. This is coming right out. Yep. So, unlike last week where you listened to an episode that was two months behind, we just recorded this this past previous Wednesday, and we go live on most Wednesdays for everyone to jump in the chat. We're, we're. I think we're both. I think I'm feeling pretty good. You're feeling good. I think we're gonna lock this up and maybe talk to the chat because we have been focusing a lot on the episode. So we need to go back and answer some questions from the chat, but thank you so much for listening. If this is your first time, like I appreciate you sticking around this long and we hope you like it. 2022 is going to be a banger. This podcast is going to explode because we're just a bunch of regular old guys having a couple Baston laggers and some four doors kicking it and Christmas parties on zoom Christmas party. comes. What other podcast does that? Well, now we're going to get a laundry list. <laughs> All right, guys. Take it easy. Have a good night.